Welcome to the 24 Stories podcast that aims to educate, inspire and help build brands. I'm your host, Stephen Ryan, founder of 24 Stories, and I'll be joined each week by guests from a variety of industries, here to tell you how they built their brands. Welcome back to the 24 Stories podcast. I'm delighted to be back for series two. It's been a couple of months since we were last on, but in that time, we were delighted to be shortlisted for an Irish podcast award, which was a fantastic evening in Dublin, and we were delighted to be in the company of some of the best podcasters in the country. I'm also delighted to announce that we have a new partner on the show, Skillsbase app, and we'll be talking about them later on in the episode. But first of all, I want to introduce the very first guest of series two. This lady is heading up one of, I suppose, one of the most famous retail brands in the country at the moment, Evelyn Moynihan from the Kilkenny Group. Welcome, Evelyn. Thanks, Stephen. Thanks for having me. So tell me, has retail always been your thing? I suppose my original career started in marketing and when I left college, I actually studied food science day one, so I'm a cowpuncher. Food science? After school you went into food science? Yeah, I went into food science. I love science in school and did all science subjects for my leaving cert, so I was kind of heading in one direction from an early age. And look, I loved the course, really enjoyed it. Mm. But I did work experience during that time in college. Um, I worked in a lab wearing white wellies and a, a white lab coat for a number of months and I, I didn't feel it was for me. Did it feel different to what happened in, like, let's say, in, I'm only familiar with science from secondary school. Was it very different from that scenario? I, I suppose it was building on what you learn in secondary school, but it was going deeper into the mm. topic. And again, I loved studying the subject, but... Yeah. When I looked around and saw the kind of career potential and from my work experience, I just felt that marketing and sales and probably dealing more with people was more for me. Yeah. Um, and I worked actually during college in Blarney Woolamills at the time, which Whoa, is interesting yeah. how things come around how full circle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And just thought, you know what, marketing um, sounds like an interesting kind of career. So I did a HDIP in UCC in marketing and management, which led me into the graduate programme in Guinness, Ireland. So um, food and drinks probably is my initial kind of background. And after I did about five years in Diageo, I moved back to Cork and and moved to Musgrave. So retail has been in my blood. um, For for, most of your career. Yeah, for most of my career, absolutely. So as everybody knows who works in retail, very fast paced. There's never a dull moment. Um, So really enjoy the energy and the buzz of that, I suppose. But go back to Diageo, I'd say... That was a huge change. You, you had to move to, to Dublin, obviously. There was no remote working back then. What was it like? Did you go in as a kind of a merchandiser? How did it kick off? Like, what was the, the graduate programme like? So it was probably renowned as one of the best graduate programmes in the country at the time. Mm. And um, there was thousands of applications yeah. for all the drinks companies, yeah. I suppose, um, and their graduate programmes. So, look, the process was quite, you know, in-depth and detailed. So the, that experience alone was excellent. And then to get the position was amazing, really. Um, and to arrive up then to St. James's Gate, which is such an iconic building is, yeah. and working with such iconic brands and working with big budgets, it was probably an amazing start, really, Stephen. And the training and the development that Diageo, I'm sure, to this day still give their graduates as they arrive mm. in is excellent. So... How the programme worked was you were moved around to different roles. So every kind of six to nine months, you were moved around to different positions and you got a really good feel for mm. what you like and maybe yeah. what you don't like as well. So it was super, I suppose, starter experience to set up um, my career. So I was absolutely delighted with that. And I, I stayed there for about five years. And then the Cork accent was kind of waning a little. Yeah. And my boyfriend at the time, was, who's now my husband, um, was in Cork all the time. So it felt like the right time 
to kind of move back to Cork. And look, I was delighted to move back to a company as brilliant as Musgraves at the time then. And did you go into their wholesale division or was it with Super Value or Centra? So it's always the retail brand side, I suppose, that I worked yeah. on. So when I came back to Cork, then I joined as the local brand manager for yeah. Super Value at the time. Again, which was a brilliant experience because I was out on the road quite mm. a lot and working with the amazing kind of individual retailers all over the country mm. um, and supporting them in their marketing plans and driving business, you know, locally. Um, so again, that was a great way to start in the company. Musgrave is obviously significant size. Yeah. So it was a brilliant way to get to know people and to be at more of the, I suppose, cold face as well of uh, food retail. And we all know how competitive that is. So it was a super learning ground as well. We'd have a lot of students listen to this podcast and, and in, in particular, I suppose, a lot of marketing students. And they're often probably looking at jobs when they come out and they're thinking of the graduate program like that in Diageo. But they're also probably looking at the different titles. And I'd say one that confuses them, because I know from conversations, is that brand manager role. So it doesn't seem like it's the marketing manager. It doesn't seem like it's a marketing executive. Could you give me kind of an idea of what happens on a day-to-day basis if you're a brand manager? So in my experience, the brand manager role is very varied. And I think it does probably vary by business type as well. So whether you're working business to consumer or business to business, I think your emphasis is going to be Mm. different. Mm. But in very general terms, I think you could simplify it as you're responsible for the brand experience and the the marketing communications that comes out to any individual customer from the brand and yeah. it's, it's it's managing that whole repertoire. Yeah. yeah. So in my experience, it's managing, you know, the advertising, yeah. the in-store point to sale, you know, the key messages for yeah. customers at the key touch points. But it's also working on elements like the PR, the sponsorship and events management as well can be an important part of the role. So for me, anyone who's really interested in the consumer psyche, you know, gets people, yeah. um, who's strong communicator and enjoys working with people, enjoys juggling all the balls mm. like it's a brilliant uh, role option I think for for people and the Musgrave brands in particular are very much at the heart of a community aren't they that's kind of their core ethos absolutely um, it's a huge strength you know for all the super value and centra retail owners yeah it's all about being at the heart of the community you know all the local jobs that they support yeah, and employ yeah. um, but delivering amazing quality food you know fresh every day yeah. delivering a super customer experience so I suppose it's a brilliant model, really, because mm-hmm. it's got the strength of the Musgrave engine, the buying yeah. power, the super talented team that work there, along with then the local passion on the ground. You know, a lot of the retailers are from their local areas. They sponsor the local soccer teams. Yeah, yeah. You know, they're they're embedded in their community. So it does allow for a really kind of dynamic and winning, I suppose, proposition, if you like, in the local community. And were you involved in in any of the kind of sponsorship schemes? With I know they had a huge program at the GA with the All Ireland, um, and also with the Tidy Towns Initiative. Were you involved in those? Yeah, so I led out on both of them at various uh, stages of yeah. my career. I was actually involved day one in the signing of the GA sponsorship for both the football and the hurling for both Centre and Super Value, going way back along now. You were um, you one of the first sponsors in that when they did title sponsorship or so how did it work? We weren't one of the first, but we were, well, Musgrave at the time were definitely the first to take on such a huge encounter with two mm. brands getting into the two disciplines of both football and hurling. Um, but it was a, a partnership made in heaven, really, mm. because of the community values yes. of both yeah. the GA yeah. and Musgrave 
but equally um, there was real practical benefits that Musgrave and Super Valiant Centre could bring to the sponsorship like selling tickets in store yeah. and for me that's when the magic happens with sponsorship it's not about putting a title and standing in the picture yeah. it's yeah. about where you can really add value equally um, you know and there's that kind of partnership approach yeah. and look it's going from from what I can see it's going from strength to strength and I suppose it's the activation piece as well isn't it because I think one of the biggest mistakes a lot of brands make is they, they give the money and they walk away. They don't really get involved or they don't promote. Whereas I think, would I be right in saying that Supervalue and Centra put as much money into the advertising around their sponsorship as the actual sponsorship themselves? It seemed that way anyway. Absolutely. And look again, it's kind of not just talking the talk, it's very much walking it because yeah. nearly every Super Value and Centra all over the country are involved in their local GA teams. Yeah. They're coaching them, training yeah. them. Yeah if they're not sponsoring the shirt. And for me, that grassroots support, yeah. being able to celebrate that with the National Sponsorship Partnership uh, was very much the icing in the cake. But this has been grassroots association for years and years. Mm. So it just makes sense. And I think you're right. Um, there's brands out there that are investing in sponsorships. And in my mind, they're not activating them enough. They're not getting enough opportunity, I suppose, or yeah. benefit out yeah. of it. Um, and for me, that's when the synergy happens when a brand and a sponsorship partner come together but they can really add value to each other and there's a long-term growth there as well it should never be about ticking a box or positive association it has to be more than that and during your time so with those brands it was also probably coinciding with the rise of digital and did you see a huge culture change in the marketing department as a result of that like in general, there's been huge change. Yeah. I suppose I, I've done many roles in the Musgrave business. I was there for about nearly 15 years. Mm -hmm. And one of the areas I led out on was loyalty and CRM. Oh, yeah. So, so like the value I, card. Exactly, yeah. the real rewards card. But that was a, a real, I suppose, learning curve with regard to, you know, data and yeah. having that kind of one-on-one -on -one CRM mm. relationship mm. with the customer and how to mine that and really manage it. It was interesting as well. It was the time of GDPR and all of that coming in as well. And again, look, every brand business, you know, globally had to react to that. And, and a lot of brands were scared as well, weren't they? I think very scared and just not sure what to do and very much scared to put a foot wrong. Yeah. Um, but look, for me, it was always about educating um, ourselves at the time, but then educating customers as well. But in fairness, it's a positive thing in general that yeah. that relationship with the customer and the data ownership and the minding of that data is protected. And that's a very good thing, I think, for business and for the customer. But then obviously the whole growth in digitization, you know, social media erupted during that period yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, I still value traditional media and traditional advertising. Yeah. I think it'll always have a role. Yes. But for me, it's very much the mix and how you can become more targeted to your different customer segments as well. Um, I suppose the terminology that's used a lot during over the last two years with, with, with lockdowns and so on is this blended. Like people mm -hmm. talk about blended learning, but I think we, we have got to the stage where marketing is blended as well, isn't it? Really? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. For me, it's good that people have a good, you know, background across the board as well. Yeah. I think yeah. that um, you do need experts in the different disciplines, but it's always great that you have people who are balanced and blended in their knowledge as well, if you like. And then they're able to see, and every brand will vary, but where you should be putting your money, where you should be putting your investment to get kind of the best return and in investment. Yeah. And for me, even from my Diageo days, there was super grounding always in, in return and in investment. Where should I put my money? Where am I getting the return? And it's not always about the 
immediate return. It's about building brands over long term as well is really important in balancing that with where you are getting that immediate kind of return. Yeah, as well. are some people guilty of um, expecting results very, very fast in terms of marketing campaigns when, when in fact building a brand takes time? Well, I believe so. I think that there are in areas that brands invest in. For example, Kikenny Design, we're going through a rebrand at the moment okay. and moving to Kikenny Design, yeah. which is our roots, our name, and turning all the communications kind of connected with that. But that'll take time, getting mm. that out there, mm. you know, mm. um, you know, sharing that story about what Kikenny Design stands for, etc. Yeah. So there's some initiatives that businesses need to do that are more the slower brand building yeah. and building that lifetime value, I suppose, yeah. with the customer. And then absolutely, Stephen, there are things that you need to return week on week. So the digital comms, you'd like, you're like you yeah. measuring that week on week. You're looking at the return, you know, your emails going out to customers. And um, like in a brand like Super Value, for example, when you were there, how do they, because like, like, they're one of the biggest advertisers in the country and, you know, their marketing spend is phenomenal. How do they measure that? Like, how do they measure what's working and what isn't working? Again, it'll vary by discipline, but... You know, they work with some amazing agencies all over the country. Yeah. And like when it comes to above the line advertising, it's about eyeballs yeah. and awareness yeah. and engagement. And again, you know, the qualitative, you know, what are people taking from the messages or yeah. the ads and how is it building the brand? And then if you move to, you know, other areas like promotions that are run in store or, you know, activity, you're, you're very much looking at sales and profit and uplifts versus when the promotion wasn't happening. So um, it obviously varies by discipline. But I suppose my simple message always is that measurement is critical. So when you are implementing activity to give it enough length of time yeah. and then to look back and to measure what are the strengths you're taking from each kind of initiative and then what are the areas you'd improve on or um, yeah, could you spend the money kind of wiser in a different well, yeah. way? So it's kind of all those discussions. But I do think brands and businesses don't go back and measure enough. It's kind of on to the next thing and on to the next thing. Yeah, and always the next really win. Yeah. yeah, instead of looking back and seeing how you performed. Yeah. So 14 years in, in the Musgrave group, it must have been very hard to walk away. Yeah, so I absolutely loved my time there and my experiences there. The role of business and marketing development director came up in Kilkenny Design. Yeah. I mentioned earlier how... In UCC, when I was in college, I worked in Blarney Willemans yeah. and I had just a big grow for Irish design and craft and yeah. selling, I suppose, to the customer and just loved that industry. I suppose that, that I always had a grow for it. And then when this role came up, I thought it was interesting. Um, and obviously being Cork based as well, yes. Stephen. A lot of people wouldn't associate Kilkenny with Cork. It's an interesting yeah. one because of the name, I suppose. Yeah. And look, the flagship is in Nassau Street in Dublin. Yeah. Uh, there's 18 stores all over the country. The story began in Kilkenny City. Yeah. So um, if I can tell a quick no, minute on the, on the history. Yeah. So Kilkenny Design um, originated in Kilkenny City where um, 60 years ago next year, the yeah. government set up workshops to mentor and support up and coming designers and makers oh. in the grounds of the castle in Kilkenny City. So they were actually craft people. Craft people. Yeah coming with their skills from all over the country and looking to develop and learn. So yeah. pottery makers, metal work, jewellery work. Yeah. And the government brought the people to one centre to kind of share the skills and to bring in experts to support them. And once they saw the skill and the talent that was there in Ireland at the time, then people wanted to buy it. And there was no outlet for people to buy the product. So the first shop 
originated in the castle grounds in the oh, Kilkenny Design yeah. Centre on the back of that demand. And then a number of years later, the second shop um, originated in Nassau Street in Dublin, which is still the same site that we exist in today. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of the background. So what we're very proud of is our vision and our purpose is still all about championing Irish design and craft. Interestingly, we've moved our vision to a global ambition. You mentioned that you had work experience in Christie's in, in Blarney. What a lot of people don't know then is that they, there's a huge connection between the two, isn't there? Absolutely. So the Kilkenny group was part of uh, the Blarney Woolamills group. Okay. And then there was a demerger. Um, so the, the two companies yeah. uh, parted ways. Absolutely, and, and, over 20 and, years ago. Okay. Um, so it's been run independently since that moment, yeah. So I suppose it was a nice connection for you. And then you went in and I suppose Marion O'Gorman really led that business to a massive success. So like from what started as two stores really ramped up quite quick, didn't it? Over Absolutely. The- and she actually spoke recently to, we had a manager's meeting, just spoke about the history because it's really important, but yeah. it ramped up quite significantly. And we were just talking about, you know, how business is tough right now and there's yeah. a lot of challenges mm. facing business. But actually, as a group, Kilkenny has come through SARS, foot and mouth, yeah. recessions. Yeah. And actually, and I know it's tough and it, it is tough right now for people, but there was a lot of opportunity came for uh, for the Kilkenny group out of some of those challenging years where yeah. I know in the recession in 2008, um, the company bought four or five stores during that period um, and grew the, the, the business quite significantly to operating 18 stores now. Uh, five restaurants and obviously a growing online site as well. So Marion is, she's a legend in the industry, really. She's a super mentor for me, Stephen, yeah. because I suppose it's it's a lovely setup where she's giving me the freedom to drive the business forward, but I've got all her learning and her mentorship in the background. So, um, so you came in as marketing and business development and how, you stayed in that role for about two years, was it? So I stayed in that role for about 18 months, yeah. And then you stepped into a CEO yeah. position. That must have been nervous to step into somebody who was so renowned in the industry as, you know, being at the forefront of innovation in the craft business and so on to step in as CEO. Like, how did you feel? Like, Yeah, look, I suppose when I joined the business, it was November to, or it was before uh, lockdown and COVID yeah, and yeah, all of that. So yeah. I had a number of months under my belt, which I was yeah. really grateful because yeah. I got out to all the shops, all the managers got a really good feeling for the the business as it was thriving in yeah. 2019. And then obviously lockdowns happened in February. So it was obviously a very challenging business yeah, environment yeah, as yeah. well. But look very quickly, Stephen, I knew the fit was good. Yeah. And, you know, the culture in Kilkenny is a, a, an absolutely fantastic culture. Um, it's a family kind of value-based business, but run very professionally. And I suppose I could see early on that fit with the culture, the fit with the people. Yeah. But I could also see the value that I could bring you know, and the experience that I had kind of coming, you know, Diageo and from Musgraves, which yeah. are obviously great businesses, great brands, um, and to help to drive the business forward. It was interesting. After six months, I took responsibility for about six functions in the business. So okay. I suppose I very quickly could see the value I could bring wider than marketing and business development. Yeah. Yeah. I was kind of, you know, uh, driving on with the online team, IT, the buying team, etc. So my remit kind of grew quite quickly. Um, and then obviously it felt then like more of a natural move, if you like, into yeah. the CEO yeah. role. 
But of course it was daunting. It's a big move. It was a big change for the company as well. Because Marion, obviously, being in that driving seat for such a long period of time, an absolute legend in our business. Um, And then trusting me, I suppose, to step into that role and to to bring us forward. Um, It was a big change for a lot of people. Um, But it did feel like a good progression, I suppose. I know it's been a short window, but a a good progression um, from my experience anyway, uh, since I joined the company. So she, I presume then she moved into a, a chairperson role. Would she spend a lot of time on site? Would she act as a mentor to you on, on, a, yeah, on a regular so basis? She's, she's chair of our business, which is great. Um, as I mentioned, I get the full benefit of all her experience. And um, she's very much a very strong mentor to me yeah. um, in my role, which is super. Mm. But I obviously I'm in the CEO seat. I'm the one on site. I'm the one working with the teams then to drive yeah. the business forward. Um, but obviously her wealth of knowledge and experience is, is really important. And I think it's it's very fundamental as well as we're trading through very difficult times, you know, yeah. as well, having that experience and, you know, seeing uh, what's happened in the past. I think it's important to learn from the past, but it's also very important for us as a group to be looking to the future. Um, we have very strong, ambitious plans to grow Kilkenny Design in the next three to five years. And that's very much our focus, but big time taking the learnings from the past as well forward. But like over the last two years, I've seen so many retailers struggle. Mm. Um, the shift online. Mm. I think the people who were never converted online all of a sudden ended up shopping online. Mm. They were forced into it and then they found, oh, this is easy. Mm. I'm going to do more of it. Mm. Uh, and we saw a lot of the big chains like your Debenhams and stuff like that close down. Um, how did you get through it? So, look, it was a very challenging time, but we had been investing significantly in e-commerce anyway. Yeah. We had um, invested in our site. Uh, we'd invested in our kind of back of house, the whole mm. logistics side of it. So prior to COVID, we were lucky that we were set up well for that. And then when lockdown happened, and in fairness, it was such a difficult time because majority of our colleagues, you know, went into furlough. Uh, yeah. The shutters came yeah. down on our yeah. shops and restaurants. Um, we big time accelerated the growth in e-commerce. And it was great, Stephen, as well, because I think partly you mentioned some businesses came across and discovered how easy and how critical online is for them. Like for us, we were always going after that omni-channel strategy. But what was brilliant was we took colleagues and asked colleagues from retail and hospitality to jump into the warehouse as well, to jump into the website and e-commerce. And that broke down a lot of barriers for us. And they understood it a bit better. And they understood it a bit better. And that whole idea of omni-channel where someone will go online and do their homework, but might come into the shop to purchase. Or they might come in and touch the fabric, but want the product to be sent home. Like it's all channels working together. And I think that's huge for businesses out there to really break down those barriers amongst your own team to begin with. And to understand that. I always say to our, our team, we don't mind how we get the sale. Once, you know, um, the customer has a good experience, they do their research in different ways um, and that they have a good experience with our brand at the end of the day. So for us, lockdown was good where in a way where the positive was that we accelerated e-commerce growth. We grew it by over 500 percent like this exploded. Just on e-commerce. Just on e-commerce with no other way of selling. We opened up new channels through telesales where, you know, again, some of our customers who weren't as confident shopping online, but want that advice and that friendly support, you know, from our colleagues, we opened up a team of telesales people where they could ring up and talk through the different products, get advice on 
what to buy for their their niece or their nephew yeah. uh, or for different occasions. And we did actually really big business through telesales as well. And were those telesales kind of people based in the stores or were they based in an office somewhere? So they were centrally based because obviously the shutters kind of came down yeah. in all our bricks and mortar stores. Yeah. So it was our hub up in Churchfield in the north side of Cork yeah, City yeah. next to our warehouse. And again, we were able to bring in our very talented retail team who knew the product, were passionate about the product. Yeah. Um, and again, it was super, as we were coming up with these initiatives to start to bring people back to work, I think that was, for me, one of the you know standout learnings was the importance of yeah getting people back to work during that time and the importance of, I suppose, our role in employ- as employers yeah. and getting people back in and getting their confidence up in new ways of doing business. And for me, we still do that to this day. People can still ring up and get that kind of white glove service over the phone. Yeah. Um, and that's what people have grown to kind of expect, I suppose, from Kilkenny Design as well as a brand. But you mentioned, you know, it was difficult for retail and there's been a number of closures or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like our big focus as well throughout has been about the customer experience. Like yeah. how do we step forward and constantly improve the experience that people expect from us? Yeah. And for me, that's changed over time as well. So we've brought out initiatives like iPad selling in stores. So yeah. we call it store to door. Yeah. But again, someone could walk into our shop in Trim or our shop in Cove, for example. Yeah. And look for products off the website. And obviously there's a more limited range in maybe some of our smaller stores. Yeah. But the the iPad can come out and the access to all the product is there. The support from the, you know, from the colleague on the shop floor with all the knowledge is there. And people are starting to kind of sell in that way and, and start to shop in that way. And that's just another example, I suppose, where I feel brands need to move forward to look after the customer need. And I do think how... I suppose fidgetal, I've heard that phrase, fidgetal, how physical and digital is coming together to kind of to improve the experience. There are some of the areas that we've been kind of investing in. I'd imagine you invest a lot in customer service as well. Do you? Like, I mean, that's part of a marketing strategy. I just know from my own experience, I love when I go into one of your stores and then they offer to wrap the present for me because I'm useless at wrapping. So like the next thing they're kind of saying, do you want me to wrap it? But it's that kind of, and then there's a little conversation going on and it it doesn't matter who who the salesperson is. It always seems to be the same approach. And to me, that's going to make me return. So like customer experience is, uh, I would say the number one strategy that we have in our business. You can talk about investment in technology and yeah. logistics, which is really important, but our magic is definitely the experience that customers get. And what we're pushing for, Stephen, is whether they ring up whether they do yeah. a shop online or whether they come into store, that you, that customer are getting that experience consistently. And it'll vary depending on what yeah. channel your expectations yeah. will be different. Yeah. But for us, for example, like it's too easy. It's so easy for businesses to start to cut back on things like that gift wrapping yeah. or like that added benefit. But for us, that's part of our magic. That's why people love to come into Kilkenny. Um, there's a load of customers like you that love getting all their gifts for Christmas yes, under yeah. one roof with yeah. really good advice so they know they're buying stuff that'll be loved. Yeah. And then that's gift wrapped, you know, with the bow and out out the out the door really, yeah. knowing that um Peace it's of job mind well done. For the person that's buying as well. Exactly. But they also feel good when they're leaving. Yeah, exactly. So look, that's a huge part. So right now obviously we're in late in October, to, yeah. exactly. And our Christmas season and our quarter four season has hugely kicked off. Our October sale has gone live in stores. And again, I suppose one thing I would say as well, it, part of that customer experience is staying close to customer sentiment. Yeah. And like we know it's tight for shoppers out there at the minute. We know that people want to spread the cost of Christmas and plan a bit earlier. Mm. 
So for us, it was really important to go live this week with our October event. Um, there's amazing value all across the store, but it really helps people spread that burden, if you like, yeah, yeah. and get in early yeah. and get access to some of those gifts. And like that's kind of very much part of our ways of working as well, kind of staying close to that sentiment and making sure we're delivering for customers. And you usually host kind of special evenings then in November, don't you, kind of in the run up to Christmas. That that has always been part of the Kilkenny Group, hasn't it? Yeah, it does in, in, in various locations. And again, for us, that would be a thank you back to our customers yeah, and yeah. a thank you back to the local area that we operate. So, yeah. for example, Shanagari are planning their evening at the minute. Yeah. But, you know, for us, we do operate in, you know, 18 different communities all over the country yeah. and we get great support from our neighbouring retailers and our neighbouring partners and obviously our customers. So for us, that's hugely important as well to say thank you to our customers, you know, for their support. Mm. Because I know um, Q4 and right now the trading period is difficult, but we're nothing if our customers don't come out and support us. And I think there's lots of small businesses out there um, who need that support more than ever. And I think if businesses don't support local businesses, they won't be there for the future. It's kind of coming down to that very stark fact that's not a scaremongering statement that's kind of reality so hence we're involved in champion green you know which, yeah, is, which is a brilliant initiative which is a brilliant initiative but that's where that's coming from it's getting the message out there to support local and that's not just about kilkenny design it never was because we know Stephen, that you take a place like shanagari or douglas shopping center we want every business around us yeah. to thrive yeah because we're as good as the collective yeah and i was at a, a retailer discussion last week Retail Excellence hosted it with Damien English who came down to talk to the retailers in Cork but we're nothing without the collective of how do we work together to get people back into the city to get people shopping to improve that experience working with hospitality and you know other aspects of the city you know to build that experience together and I think that's very important as well you know the businesses are working with other businesses. And was Champion Green kind of um not to say against uh, Black Friday, but it was kind of an alternative. A hundred percent, like it originated, it was being worked on before I joined, so I yeah. can't claim it. And yeah. it was actually, um, we started off with Green Friday. So at the time, there was a management team above in the warehouse, yeah. um, discussion all around um, the fact, and it still exists to this day, that two thirds of shopping leaves the country during during Q4 and it goes to other sites global sites online to big e-commerce sites worldwide to big e-commerce sites worldwide okay so that still exists today so um, I suppose the whole Black Friday phenomenon has grown and strengthened over time so back in 2019 the idea was well how do we turn Black Friday green how do we get the message out there um, to encourage people to spend their money locally rather than the money leaving the country so Green Friday was a big success. I was there for the launch of it and I was involved yeah. in, in getting that live. And then during lockdown, when lockdown hit, again, sure, it was a really challenging time for every business. But again, for us, it was the sentiment that we had seen in Green Friday that I suppose support for local, that people wanted to do yeah. it. But it's kind of help us, help, you know, help people, I suppose, get the news out there about why they should support local. And I think there was a big education piece around it and there still is to this day. But when lockdown happened, we were like, well, how do we make it not just about one event in the year? How can we grow this concept? And again, it was never about just us. It was about the collective. And that's where Champion Green was born. So it's big time a movement all about encouraging people to support local, be it online or in store. 
And what was great at the time is Visa Ireland came in behind it and invested in it. We couldn't have done it without that investment. And then the retail um, bodies of Retail Excellence, Chambers Ireland and the Small Firms Association came in and worked with us as well. So it was that kind of network, I suppose. And it was never just about retail either. It's about all small and medium sized businesses who employ over three quarters of the country, by the way, as well. Lots of our jobs are, are driven by this sector but how do we educate consumers on the importance of support local? And for me, there's a good stat that for every euro that's spent in a local business, it circulates by two euro fifty. If that euro is spent on an international site, it leaves the country. Yeah. And it's that kind of, you know, grounded, factual, I suppose, information that was kind of hitting home with people as well. Because if we don't support local, we are going to see more businesses go to the ground. Shutters are going to go down more. And that's not good for any of us. Um, it's so that's an educational piece for people, isn't it, really? Like it really is, yeah. And I feel it as well. I think COVID has accelerated small businesses anti commerce. It yeah. has accelerated. I think the experience that customers can now get from, you know, their local bookshop, their yeah, local clothing yeah. shop. I know you had May from Love Cherish on right, yeah, last one of your year. podcasts yeah. as well, who's a good friend of mine. Well, you're looking at brands like that and the innovation and how they get the word out there. Yeah. Like there is a whole education piece and I think a sharing of learning to small businesses as well on how to do it. Yeah. Because I think we can all get strong together. I think it's no longer about looking over the shoulder about who's doing what. I think we have to start growing the sector together um, and make it stronger and get then consumers confident in spending their money locally as well. Because ultimately, you know, and I saw it in my Musgrave days as well, you know, your Johnny, your child is playing for the local GA team. That team will need sponsorship. It'll be the SME sponsoring. Yes. Yeah. You know, it's all of that, I suppose, stuff that goes on on the ground in communities that I don't think people think about enough. Yeah. And I think it's so important that people come out and support local and please come out and support local for, for, for this quarter. Yeah, because it's been a two tough Christmas periods. They weren't normal periods, uh, uh, I suppose. Last year was a bit better than the year yeah. before, but your traditional going out into the shops and maybe even, I know last year, some of the, the, the bars and the restaurants were closed early. So, and they all link in together, don't they? It's very much part of it. Yeah, the whole thing. And even health and safety, like you had a lot of mask wearing, yeah, so, COVID surges, yeah. you know, um, parts of our society scared to yes. still come out. So we're calling this year the year of the big reunion, yeah. um, where I do think it won't be just about immediate family gatherings. It'll be much bigger than that. Yeah. Yeah, And um, so for me, the experience is much stronger, much better, more friendlier, easier than yeah. ever before. Yeah, I feel as well for the hospitality sector. I think yeah. that they've been, again, as it, we're, we operate five restaurants, so we know it as well, um, a particularly challenged sector. Like a lot of the, the government supports are gone as well for these yes. businesses. Yeah. So they're kind of on their own two feet again. Um, I think there's been lots of innovation and new ways of doing business gone live for a lot of the companies which is brilliant but they need the, the, the support now of people they need the footfall in the door yeah. and they need the bums and seats you know um, because you know Stephen a lot of businesses rely on a strong Q4 yeah, to well, keep them yeah. going during quarter one and quarter mm. two as well so yeah it's a really critical time actually in Irish SME business I feel over the coming months and it's also probably going to be the time that's most expensive in terms of energy costs because yeah. of the dark evenings and so on and yeah. lights have to be turned on heating and all yeah. of that 
Yeah. So, and, and how are you facing that challenge? Yeah, look, it's tough. I think like a lot of businesses and like a lot of people in homes, you're watching your energy. You know, yeah. we've, yeah. um, you know, really good practices put in place now with, with our colleagues around. Like it's the simple things. It's turning yeah. off lights when they're not needed, unplugging appliances when they're not needed, you know, watching, watching energy that way. I think it was good news, the government coming out with the energy grants. Again, it's TBC, really, how that's going to play out yeah. for businesses. You know, they're still working through the finer detail. Yeah. Um, but look, that that support is hugely needed, you know, for all size businesses all over the country. And look, it's just trading through it, really, Stephen, and hoping things will approve. Yeah. Obviously, there's no sight of that yet. Yeah. But it's big time trading through it. So I think every company like ourselves is watching costs. Yeah. But it's it's watching costs without impacting on the customer experience. Yeah. And I think that's the critical balancing act, if you like, that I think customers or businesses are managing right now. And what about the other challenge? The I suppose, what is it? The, the recruitment challenge that mm-hmm. companies are facing. Going into that last quarter, mm-hmm. I'm guessing it's your big, biggest period, longer opening hours. How, how do you go about recruiting part-time staff and things like that? So we're actually very lucky, Stephen. We've great loyalty amongst our our teams and so we didn't have a lot of movement over the last while. And again, we have seasonal colleagues that love to come back to us every quarter four. Okay. So we're really lucky in that yeah. way. Again, we've done some strong recruitment, obviously, into our warehouse for Q4 as well. We haven't found it that challenging, if I'm honest. I think the word emote helps as well, where you've got colleagues promoting it to kind of friends and family, you know, um, for me, the culture, I suppose, is really important as well, that people yeah. know they're coming into a nice yeah. environment for a very busy season, let's call it, um, you know, where emotions can be high and it's, you know, high pressured. But um, we're lucky on that front, but I know lots of businesses are struggling on that front and they're having to manage opening hours. And look for us as well, coming back to the customer experience, you know, we want every colleague, whether they're in with us for 10 weeks or 10 years you know, to deliver that same level of customer experience. So for us, it's all about the training as well. Yeah. And, you know, budding people up with people who are very experienced. Um, I suppose recruiting, you know, people who love, you know, people and, you know, um, who are friendly and who have empathy um, and all of that good stuff as well. So I think we're lucky on that front, but I would say it's a big challenge for other companies. And in terms of the whole Kilkenny group right now, how many staff have you? So we have over 300 people working oh. for the group, um, which is fantastic, yeah. um, spread across the shops, yeah. retail and and the warehouse and all obviously our central teams as well. And um, yeah, they're a fantastic bunch of people. Um, like we call them, our people are our secret sauce, without a doubt. Yeah. Um, you talked about that experience yeah. um, that you have grown to love. And um, yeah, they're super, super group of people and they're so passionate about the Kilkenny design business and they are so passionate they treat it as their own you know and it's, that's the passion I think that comes across as well on the shop floor or when people are calling us up on the phones as well And during the year do you try and get around to to kind of meet as many of them as possible or how does that work? Uh, yeah so um, we're out and um, we're out all the time really for yeah. me um, there's no point in sitting behind a desk yeah. it's so critical to be on the shop floor and on the restaurant floor you know meeting the team yeah, And I suppose to even hearing the feedback about what we're doing well for customers, but big time what we can improve on. Yeah, And like for me, there are ears and eyes on the ground. Um, They're dealing with customers day in, day out. 
Um, so for me, that's really critical that we are out and about and we're pulling in that learning. We're doing a lot more on kind of customer experience training as well and bringing groups of people together from the different locations mm. to learn collectively as well. Because the experience in a Galway shop versus the experience in Cashel versus the experience in, in Nassau Street can be different. Yeah. And, you know, and they're de- dealing at times with different kind of customer segments, etc. So that shared learning is really important as well. But also that the retail teams are spending a lot more time with the e-commerce teams. And that's kind of, I think, going to be a critical part of our future as well. You know, I mentioned about how the physical retail works with the, the digital yeah, side of our, yeah. our business. So, for example, we were on calls this morning, you know, reviewing. We're in the first few days of our sales, you know, what's selling online, what's selling in store, you know, what are customers looking for? Yeah. Like it's that insight really that's kind of powerful, if you like, to help drive the business And are you forward. looking at trends like, I'm, you know, familiar with Google Trends and mm. the analytics of your site? Are you looking for certain keywords that start popping up a bit earlier than you maybe think that they should be popping up and get extra stock in? Absolutely. We look at it all the time. Even it was a great way to get a pulse on how interested people were in Christmas yeah, and how early. Yeah. So it's one thing to hear research say, oh, yes. people want to come out early. In August, they want to plan early. But July, in yeah. reality, how much are they searching for? Yeah. We're very, I suppose, tuned in on value for money at the moment. And, yeah. you know, we've set up in our site, you know, very simple way of gifting gifts for him, gifts for her. Yeah. Gifts for, you know, the more sustainably conscious shopper, all yeah, of that, which yeah. in fairness is most people now. But interestingly, it's gifts under 25 euro, gifts under 50 euro as yeah, well, yeah. Um, because that's how people shop. That's yeah. how people are kind of looking at how they're planning for for their shopping. So we do use all that data and insight from the likes of the Google words to help influence how we shape yeah. our plans and our timeline, our timing. Yeah, because I think that's really important in retail, getting timing right. And then when you don't maybe quite get it right, you learn from it. So like all of that kind of insight is key. And what about your social channels then? Do you look at what gets engaged with the most in terms of content? You're kind of like, oh yeah, there's a, there's, we've introduced a new product here and it's getting, you know, lots of love. We're getting lots of love hearts on Instagram or whatever. How, like, do you look at things like that as well? Yeah, hugely. Um, so interestingly, we're after hiring new skills into the team and we've got someone in-house now who creates video Brilliant. and produces video. Yeah. And for me, that's been a game changer. So um, this lady produced a video recently in her first few weeks of a, a new bridge Christmas decoration yeah. and it got over 10,000 uh, views within 24 hours. Yeah. You know, and then you're learning from that and you're evolving it yeah. and you're you're growing on it. Yeah. Um, like that's really critical. So we do keep a really keen eye on that. I suppose we've gone into new categories over the last few years as well. Like wellness would be one okay. where we were zero on it. And yeah. now we've got a massive category of Irish skincare products yeah. from the different brands all over the country. And for us, again, that was really tuning into the customer saying, oh, I want to gift in wellness. I want to buy skincare. Yeah. I want to buy it for myself. So again, it was a great way to drive that repeat purchase as well, yeah. which is really critical for any retail brand. And now that's one of our biggest categories. We've grown it from kind of zero a couple of years ago to being one of our biggest categories. So strategically, Stephen, it's probably looking at what's next. You know, what are the next areas that, you know, our customers are looking for that we feel we can play a role. And that whole Irish sourcing is really important to us. So mm. if you take that wellness department, it's 100% Irish. Okay. Irish made and Irish produced and uh, for us we're really passionate about that and as a total brand we're about 74% Irish designed and made we want to get that to 80 wow. so look we're, that's a big kind of part of our strategy as well going forward is 
How do we grow with our existing Irish designed and made, but also how do we recruit new that can bring something new to our shopper over the coming years? Did that help you over the last two years as well in terms of supply chain, having the products coming from within the country rather than having to import them in from Asia so it was or wherever? hugely, hugely beneficial. And I think a lot of companies are actually realising that now, that added benefit of the shorter supply chain, you know, yeah. the the community spirit as well of working with your yeah. neighbours up the road yeah. uh, during very difficult times because it was exceptionally difficult for our customers. Um, interestingly, being in wellness was brilliant for us as well because we did huge business in hand sanitizer at yeah, the time. Yeah, yeah, And uh, we had the most beautiful brands working to develop fabulous products that really kind of met that need as well. Yeah. And it erupted our e-commerce for weeks on end, um, meeting that need but going back to your point, that shorter supply chain and that business benefit of working with people locally was huge for us. And it was never a case of will things come in on time or, yeah. you know, um, how long are they going to be delayed? Um, you know, for majority of what we sold, it was literally working obviously closely with the suppliers who were going through challenges of, you know, factories that were half half back up and running, maybe not fully yes. and all of that. Yeah. But we were able to take, you know, smaller quantities, replenish more often, you know, all of that, which kind of worked really well. And we're so thankful for the support our suppliers gave us over the last number of years because they worked hand in glove with us. Um, but then I realised and we realised we're, we were very critical as a channel for them to sell. So some of these producers didn't have online or they had a very small online presence. So it was critical for them as Kilkenny Design being the number one in championing Irish design and craft that they could sell to our e-commerce site as well. Um, so those kind of synergies and those relationships, I think, really strengthened during those difficult times. And you were talking about earlier about the next steps for Kilkenny. Um, a lot of those small brands probably would love to be sold to people around the world. Is that your next step? Is, is it you to become the hub for Irish craft and design globally? Yep. So our vision is to continue to champion Irish design and craft, but the word globally is now part of our vision. Yeah. And um, in the last 12, 18 months, Stephen, we launched a standalone site into the US and a standalone site into the UK, along with our domestic site. So like we've 18 stores, we've three websites. So um, is it a .com and .co.uk, is it? They're individual sites, yeah. individual experiences, edited differently. Um, and for us, that's a critical step um, into this kind of global growth that we're now going after. So you mentioned about the smaller designers and makers and some of them not so small wanting to grow globally. Yeah. Um, absolutely, that's a huge part of our strategy now going forward to grow and champion Irish design and craft all over the world and to do that in a very, very strong way and to be set up, I suppose, logistically to kind of deliver that well over the coming years. Will it get to the stage that you'll open flagship stores in, in locations outside of this country? So or? we're open to it. And like what's very interesting is the whole concept of pop-ups. Yeah. Like we've popped up in Kildare Village uh, for quarter four this year. So if anyone's in the village, please call into Kilkenny. Sure, I'll be there myself. Yeah, yeah great. Yeah. Um, and we did it last quarter four as well. And it, it did super for us, you know, kind yeah. of opens yeah. the brand up to new customers. There's huge traffic in Kildare Village. Um, and we've an absolutely gorgeous experience built there for the few months. But we're absolutely open to globally, you know, in the States or in the regions where we're doing well, having more of a presence and seeing how that goes. So um, again, rather than 
big investment, maybe that kind of pop-up style approach might might make sense as we go forward as well. But for now, Stephen, the focus is growing our online presence yeah. and building up our audiences. Yeah. And like what's great as well is we've a lot of visitors and actually tourism was very good for us this year. Yeah. Um, Fall to Ireland estimated that tourism would be back about 50% versus mm. 2019. Mm. For us, it was back more like 75, 80% to 2019 levels. So that was super. But then when people are with us that uh, they f- they're falling in love with Kilkenny Design and the service um, that we can deliver, but then we're capturing their data and then we're building a relationship with them, you know, when they go home for their holidays. With email marketing or something? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And like, that's really important then. So the shop experience that they fell in love with in their visit, yeah. you know, the relationship can continue then through our online channels. And um, that's brilliant for us, you know, that that works really well for us. But how do you promote to, let's say, for example, with a marketing strategy to people in the US and the UK, such vast audiences, like where do you spend your marketing budget in those areas? Is it completely online or do you do a bit of traditional as well? So it is more digital and e-commerce led. Again, we kind of need to walk before we run as you enter into these markets. um, We've great experience in the team that have broken into these markets before so that's super for us so yeah. we're not going over old yeah. ground yeah. Um, and taking on board their learning but if you take the US for example we're focused on the the expat areas Yeah, you know you can see through your data where you they're know, coming from where it's coming from and you can scale that you know that's I'm guessing kind of, the northeast coast around New York Boston yeah, that area yeah and it's interesting um, and San Francisco and Chicago and Texas, interestingly, as well. Yeah, yeah. I'm get, I get it, I end up getting into big debates about Texas uh, being how come that? So, uh, but it's back down to the expat. It's the There's interesting, a good few there, yeah. you know, the Irish design and craft. And um, we get a good few listeners actually from Texas on great. this podcast. Yeah, yeah and, very and good. A few from Boston yeah. area as yeah, well. Yeah, very good. So I imagine expats as well. I'm, yeah. I'm guessing. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But um, it's building on that, you know, um, where there's huge interest in Irish design and craft. And you're building on that. So that's kind of where we spend. And it is more it is more in the digital um, social media commerce kind of. Yeah. Because you can end up, you could end up spending a huge pile of money with mm. not enough return. Yeah. So for us, it's kind of walking, walking before we run. And look, the likes of Tourism Ireland, Fault Ireland, a lot of the, the, the governing bodies are very helpful as well in supporting us and, yeah. you know, getting our name out there with, you know, different networks as well, uh, which I think is very important as well. And I suppose in relation to that, um, do you ever do kind of these travel shows, you know, where, the, where Tourism Ireland will turn up in some big convention centre in Chicago for St. Patrick's Week or whatever? Do you, do you put a stand at those as well? or? So we haven't in the past, but we are looking to do more, you yeah. know, with, with yeah. the tourism bodies going yeah. forward. Um, they're very good to support the industry in general. Yeah. yeah. Um, look, retail and hospitality is a big part of the tourism experience mm. as well. Um, so when people come to Kilkenny Castle and they go across to the, the design centre, you know, they love the retail experience and they love yeah. the food experience. Yeah. So we've definitely been working with the tourism bodies to get our name out there, mm. you know, with the tour groups and the operators. And look, we're 60 years next year as a company. So um, we're looking to build our awareness both domestically and tell the story, the yeah. fabulous story that sits behind the brand, um, but also globally. Um, so we're looking at very you know, different avenues about how we get our new story out there. And I presume you distribute everything from here or do you have lo- locations in the, in the US and the UK? So currently um, we've done a lot of work scaling up our logistics here in Cork. Yeah. 
and worked on our whole, I suppose, technology and IT and logistics and people. Yeah. So we're scaled up for growth, both in Ireland and globally from our warehouse in Cork City. Whoa. Um, and for now, we can see how long that grow that yeah. will continue um, to support. You know, we have obviously yeah. our growth tra- trajectories and all of that. But like, and we look at it into the future as we kind of build and as we grow, you know, as to what's the best way to fulfill. Yeah. Like you mentioned about, you know, is it a pop up into the future, yeah. you know, and we know our model is set up well for growth over the next number of yeah. years. But beyond that, of course, we're looking at that because like we think there's so much talent in Irish craft and design, the yeah. most gorgeous, amazing products that are hugely sustainable, yeah. which is a massive reason why our customers are coming through mm. our door mm. um, and we want to get that story out there globally. As a Cork woman, you must be very proud of the fact that this organisation is based here, but growing from here and it's doing the reverse of what we said, what was happening at Black Friday, where all those international companies were coming in, taking the money and, and, and sending it all over the world. Now we have a business that's centred here that's growing. So it must be exciting uh, and, and you must be, as I said, proud. Yeah, no, it's very exciting. Um, and look, there's a great team yeah. in Kilkenny Design that are very passionate about driving the growth. Yeah, yeah. Like it is interesting. The mix is changing, you know, yeah. um, and but it's about really understanding, yeah, the big opportunities for growth and going and setting ourselves up well for them yeah. and going after them. Um, but yeah, it's hugely exciting. We had our suppliers on a call this week, you know, talking through our plans and sharing our, our vision for the brand. And like we understand we're nothing without our wider family here, yeah. the wider supplier base, the wider, um, you know, the wider not network that makes Kilkenny Design great. Um, and it's bringing everyone on that journey then, Stephen, as well. But absolutely, as a Cork woman, as an Irish person, I'm super excited about the brand, the potential for the business and and where it will, where it will go. And if there was a, a craft person listening to this and they're trying to, you know, expand their product range, like how do they get into a store like Kilkenny? Like, how does that work? Do they go to trade shows in the RDS like the, or something like that? Yeah, or? so we go to the trade show. So Showcase, which is scheduled to happen again in January mm-hmm. next year, is, is one forum. But actually people reach out to us. Like, we do a lot of research ourselves on social media and on uh, various sites and um, we're constantly spotting talent. You know, so we brought two new jewellers into the family recently Mm. who were spotted online, liked their stories, liked what they were doing, liked um, their products. Um, So we we do a lot of desk research, if you like, and getting out there and seeing what's happening in the marketplace. But equally, I would say to, like I get a lot of people who reach out to me on LinkedIn yeah. And as do our buyers. And yeah. for me, that is a great way to do business as well. Yeah. Like we would always respond back. Yeah. Um, so I would say any craft maker, designer, um, someone out there who feels they could play a role in partnering with Kilkenny Design, please reach out to us. Always in the new year is a really good time for newness. Yeah. And yeah. talking to, to us at, in that moment. But please do reach out because we're constantly looking for yeah, newness for our customers. What's the next new thing? Even there might be new categories out there that we're not doing today mm. that people could feel there's a good fit with Kilkenny Design. Uh, we're equally interested and people are reaching out to us on that front as well. And again, it's about thinking about the e-commerce opportunity, the bricks and mortar opportunity, the food opportunity as well. It's kind of thinking, I suppose, wider as well about where your business could play a role with us. We're really keen uh, for people to reach out to us. It was interesting that you said that you spotted things on social media. So I'm guessing marketing plays a huge role in terms of the product has to be really good, but it's how you tell 
the story online, how you tell story in traditional channels as well. But that small brands really need to invest in their own marketing as well. Yeah, like for me, the brand is the full experience. Yeah. You know, it is about the product and the price and the pack- the packaging. Like yeah. the, those core elements yeah. have to be key. And actually, we mentor a lot of our craft makers and designers on that because yeah. that's about getting the core elements right. But it's how you tell your story. And a lot of the times it's about the individual story, back to the person, the family, you know, the ethos of the business, why they were set up, what they stand for. Like we have a huge role to play then to get that story out to our customers for people to really kind of understand, you know, what's different and unique about this product, about this brand. And what we love as well, Stephen, is the brands and the businesses coming into our colleagues and actually training them up. And are people hearing firsthand the story behind the product, the story behind the brand? Like we have a new jeweler at the moment, a little light who came in and told her story about her jewellery and the background to it, which was set up in COVID under kind of sad circumstances. Mm. And her, her passion now for giving people hope and giving people jewellery with meaning. Like there wasn't a dry eye yeah. in the room yeah. once colleagues yeah. were brought through that. And that story now will live on and mm. on in on the shop floor, but big time to our marketing team and how we're going to help her tell her story, yeah. if you like. And that's just an example of it. It's about the whole experience. So usually on the podcast, I, I ask people two questions. So you think I'm going to go along that road first for the tips for businesses. So like as the CEO of, I suppose, one of the biggest retailers in, in terms of craft and design in this country, what tip would you give a small businesses that want to scale up over the next couple of years? Be really clear what you stand for and what makes you unique, you know, and and document clearly what that story is and, and shout loud about it. So that that would be one tip. It's just... Don't be afraid to kind of don't talk be afraid, yourself up. Talk yourself up. Go mm. back to your values, what you stand for. Yeah. What gets you up in the morning? What's your purpose? Yeah. That's what is selling and engaging with people today. And I don't think enough small businesses are doing that enough yeah. your story is unique your values and what you believe in is unique your purpose is unique get that story out would be one thing yeah and then my other big message trading during these very challenging times is you know you need to watch your costs and your efficiencies but don't compromise on your experience and your service yeah and it's getting that balance right um i think is really important as well the other question I'd have is, what tip would you give an individual? Now, as someone who has gone through a, a, an extensive marketing career and has now gone into a CEO role, um, what tip would you give maybe a marketing graduate right now? What, 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 what tip would you give them? So for a marketing graduate, I would say be yourself. And, and actually, for me, that's just not marketing graduate. I suppose if I could talk to my younger self. Yeah. Um, I would say be true to yourself. You know, I suppose if I think back to the young Cork girl heading up to Dublin, you know, into very different environment, you know, meeting super talent, having loads of different experiences. Yeah, just be true to yourself and back yourself. They're probably the two big things. I know they're, they might be very lofty, but um, just be yourself. Again, you're unique. Yeah. You're going to bring different skills. You're going to bring a different mindset. You know, no idea is a bad idea. Be yeah. brave, share your thoughts, share your views and be a sponge. Soak up from the talent that's around you. I feel, you know, I'm all about hybrid working and all of that. But I feel the younger graduates coming in who maybe 
aren't in the office as much or are in, you know, remote roles, the amount of soaking up and sponge draining I did um, when I went up to St. James's Gate, watching people, seeing how they behaved, yeah, yeah. seeing the leadership around me. Yeah. For me, don't miss out on that. Make the effort to spend time with the wider teams because you learn as much you know, in the role and on the tasks as you do in observing and watching and seeing what you like from the leaders around you and learning from them um, and then learning, yeah, learning and, and putting it into practice. And I'm in this series, so to finish up, um, we have, as I said earlier in the podcast, we have a, a new partner and it's Skillsbase app, which is a learning and engagement tool, uh, another Cork-based business. And what I am going to ask people is, what skill do you think is essential for your industry? So let's look at retail. What skill do you think is essential for retail? In general? Yeah. I would say resilience. Because everything is thrown at you? Just because I just think there's been lots of change. Yeah. Um, it's highly competitive. I think lots of retailers have to work hard at getting the footfall in the door. I would say resilience and, you know, really knowing your strengths, you know, um, yeah, and being agile, I suppose, along with that as well. The environment, the external environment has a huge role to play, doesn't it, compared to maybe other industries? Um, because it ex it impacts on maybe people's disposable income, but it also impacts on, you know, regulatory stuff and, and, yeah. and so on. So I like I do feel you need to be totally on top of what's happening in the environment and all the factors affecting you. But you equally have to focus on your own business and control what you can control. Yeah. And um for us we are very in tune with all the factors affecting our customer you know, the business environment, the energy costs, all of that. But you have to focus on running your own business, control what you can control. You know, you mentioned as well about the next new thing and yeah. bringing in newness. Back what you have as well. Like this huge strength in our existing product, our existing businesses that we work with. Yeah. And, you know, it's not always about the next new shiny thing. It's don't get distracted. Don't maybe. get distracted. Back your strengths. Know why your customers come through the door know what they're looking for. The biggest thing is staying really tight with that, I suppose, and you can't go wrong. I think you'd make good decisions based on staying close to your customer. Well, Evelyn, it's been a fantastic interview. I've really enjoyed it. I'm excited about the future of Kilkenny and the fact that an Irish store is championing the green on an international level. Thanks a million again for coming in. Thanks, Stephen. That wraps up this week's podcast. Thanks again to our sponsor, Skillsbase app, which is a solutions provider for companies looking for mobile-first engagement and blended learning tools. To find out more information on what they can do, visit skillsbase.ie. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the show and get in contact with us on all social platforms. I will be back again next week with a brand new episode.